I know your pain, man. I do. I do play by play of uh, the Saskatoon Hilltops, and there's some young men with some good Ukrainian names around the province. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Oh, there are some. There are some like uh, our safety and kicker are uh, Brett and Austin Thorarenson. But the first Whoa! time you get Thorarenson, you go, huh? Just support. The, just change the last name for cabbage rolls or pierogies, and you're good to go. <laughs> They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Curra, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy Dancing with the Stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Curra will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hook. Welcome to episode three of the Two and Out CFL Podcast with John Fraser and Travis Curra. I guess we got to kick off the show by saying that the Two and Out CFL Podcast Fantasy League is quickly growing. We we do have our first, well, I guess our second entrant because uh, last week we put uh, a guy in for that uh, review he gave us on iTunes but we got a pretty sweet review from True 204 Blue on iTunes <laughs> basically the way he he broke it down is that uh, he's going to give our podcast to everybody else in his league and they're going to follow our advice and lose and he's going to win by doing the opposite of what we're doing a good beak, love some trash talk he's one of the first we're going to invite into the Fantasy League, we got some more entries, make sure you get them in there, how can you be entered we said it at the end of our East preview it's simple, iTunes 5 star rating Beak us, trash us, write a good review, make us chuckle, and you're into our Fantasy League. And this is what he wrote. It's great podcast for all those diehard fantasy CFLers that want to lose their Fantasy League. (laughs) (laughs) I've sent this pod to all my league mates, which should guarantee my championship victory. Come October, I will be thanking you guys in my victory speech for doing the opposite of what you say. Just kidding, guys. Great pod and keep up the good work. It's great to have another source for CFL Fantasy, even if... Travis is a Rough Rider fan. Oh, I like it. You know, I uh, as Blue Bomber guys got to stick together, right? <laughs> Let's get to the news. In the huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out podcast. Over the weekend, I got to. I went down to Edmonton, or I guess Spruce Grove, to check out Eskimo training camp. And all reports after that. Chris Jones saying it was their worst day they have had so far Aww. in training camp. And I was like, really? The one, the one that I got to check out? Big thing I noticed. Man, were they ever struggling with the new uh, punt return rules? Yeah, I think that's going to be a popular theme of the early start to the season. Uh, teams are really going to have to adapt to it. I can tell you at uh, Rough Rider training camp yesterday, they are here in Saskatoon. I was at the mock game for my real job. Uh, I can tell you some big, big punt returns by Ryan Smith. I don't know if it was because he was feeling it or if because guys are adapting to the new rules. I think it was a little of column A, a little of column B, but I can tell you already when the ball gets to the returner, you're going, wow, he's got he's got tons of room, no matter what kind of situation it is. So when, when the season starts, obviously training camp is one thing, but 
in a game, in stadium, it is going to be loud. It is going to be chaotic. So I'm sure that these punters are going to have to come up with a new system. Like as soon as they kick it, they're going to have to yell because it, <laughs> it might be tough for these linemen just to hear that ball coming off the boot. Well, and you got to think that these guys are looking downfield. You don't want to be turned around watching your punter then turning around and, and going and, and, and maybe losing sight of the returner. You're right. They're going to have to come up with some sort of system, or maybe you just you just practice it so much as the line. You just get into that flow of, okay, you know, by the time it's snapped back, I know I have about a five count in my head before I go. It's going to be – that's going to be interesting to adapt to for the down linemen. It does look like Edmonton wants to go with three Canadian receivers. Now, I don't know if it's just – what what I saw on Saturday, but they had Watson, Paris Jackson, Nate Kuhorn, and obviously Adarius Bowman and Kendall Lawrence were lining up at receiver. I was surprised that they want to go with three Canadians. Of course, uh, Shamad Chambers was not practicing, so he's going to, I would say, replace Paris Jackson. That's that's what I would say. Well, you, I, w- I could see them... Maybe just working in the three Canadians to try to keep some continuity uh, with the first team a little bit. Uh, maybe Jackson. You got to think whenever you have two Canadian receivers, you almost need one guy just sitting on the bench in case one of those guys goes down in a game. I could see Jackson being that guy for the the other two. But as far as them starting three Canadians, I'd be really surprised. I mean, it's very similar to like yesterday what Saskatchewan did. Uh, Weston Dressler sat out the mock game as far as receiving is concerned. Uh, he still uh, held for some field goals, but Dressler uh, was just replaced by Ryan Smith in the starting lineup. I mean, he's basically a clone. So I think what they were trying to do is keep the units together as much as possible. So maybe it was letting Jackson get some time as a backup. Because I, I, you know what? I haven't been to Eskies training camp. I've been doing some reading but I don't know if I see him as a starting receiver no maybe maybe on the wide as a wide receiver I think he's still got some value there Watson probably overtakes him there um rookie Danny Grew he was playing uh at right guard he looked pretty good uh quick news though John White who I guess we expected to be the Eskimo starting running back he was seen with a walking boot on Sunday so It looks like Shakir Bell is going to be taking his place. We'll talk about that more in our Eskimos preview, but I like him as a sleeper pick heading into the season. Well, I, I would say anytime you got to think the Eskimos have a, a basically their playbooks in place, assuming that John White is going to be back there, one of the top backs in the entire CFL. And if he goes down, I don't think they're going to change a lot. I think they're going to give the ball to Bell and say, "Okay, you need to do the job until White comes back." Uh, one thing I was interested in along Saskatchewan's defensive line is Rory Connup. Uh, he was taking first team reps and he was looking good. I mean, you got the one Canadian. Looks like they're going Canadian at that spot beside George, Hall, and Chick. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, they're already hitting in Saskatchewan, right? Uh, They were during the mock game, yes. yes. I I mean, obviously, uh, basically, the only hitting was between the D and the O-line. As far as receivers and stuff, it became uh, touch football uh, as soon as the receiver was open. I mean, guys were wrapping him. I wouldn't call it tackling, but there were some wraps. Uh, There was a, a couple guys you know, swatting the arm and stuff like that. You could even see that there was one time where Coach Chamberlain, because he was mic'd up so so he could address everybody on the field, uh, he said to the refs, hey, guys, you know, it's dead as soon as a guy touches the other guy. So uh, it was a little, I wouldn't call it non-contact, but I mean, I'd say there's more contact at the Riders' mock game than there is your average Pro Bowl. 
I did. <laughs> no doubt. I did hear there was a massive hit by one of the new linebackers uh, at the mock game, though. Uh, you know what? I might have been looking down. I didn't see it. I don't. I, I don't remember it. I think it was more of a collision than, uh, oh, than okay, anything. Okay. It's just guys got their signals crossed. Uh, I had looked down. I was also full disclosure. I was doing some writing at the same time, making some notes on the starting lineup. But I do remember the crowd going nuts. Uh, yeah. Everybody was fine, and Coach Chamberlain didn't look happy. But uh, which is amazing because that man, I think, is always smiling. Yeah, he he seems like a cool guy. I, I'd love to meet him. Uh, more injury news uh, out of Hamilton. C.J. Gable breaks his hand. It looks like he's going to be out for four weeks. Probably doubtful for the Grey Cup rematch June 26th in Calgary. Well, and this is going to be interesting because I had said in our East Division preview that only look at those Hamilton running backs if we start to know who's going to get the carries. All of a sudden now you have Madu and Grigsby. You're down to two instead of three. Now, it's not uncommon for two guys to split carries. It's going to be it's still interesting to see. I'd still stay away from it until one guy emerges as the number one, but I move both those other Hamilton running backs up my draft board because I think when Gable comes back, if they're comfortable and they're winning a lot of games, I don't know how he's going to find his way back into the lineup. But early weeks... Maybe that's when you take a flyer and a Hamilton uh, running back. Just make sure when Gable comes back, you have significant depth on your bench from a guy you know is going to start that week. You can put him into that spot because if Hamilton goes with a three-headed monster like Edmonton did a couple years ago, goodbye Ed, uh, Hamilton fantasy value. That might be one of those. It, that might be a good situation where you can pick up a guy, let him get some points, sell high. You know, buy low, sell high. Yeah, that, that is a good idea. I'd say Grigsby is going to get the bulk of the carries, but Madu is a he's a better receiving back than Grigsby. Well, and and it, this is where again we talked about PPR in our in our East Division preview. Madu, to me, if you're in a PPR league, he's maybe the guy you lean to because I wouldn't be surprised to see Hamilton maybe bust him out in some pure six receiver sets, or he might be a good guy in second down where you bring Madu into the game because he can do so many things out of the backfield. Like you said, he can catch a pass. He can also pound the rock and get those yard get the yardage as needed. While Grigsby is more just a north south kind of guy, Madu can also move east west. We we did touch on Paul McCallum in our East preview, but it looks like it's a case of he said, she said. McCallum sending out a very interesting tweet. Now, I have no problem with BC doing what they did because it's humiliating for a, you know, a veteran that's been in the league for 23 years. Hey, you have the decision. We'll let you retire. Or yeah. you go through being embarrassed and we cut you because nobody wants to be announced as they got cut. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the the Lions organization is saying publicly like, "Hey, I don't know how this got out. The only reason it got out is because of Paul." And Paul's saying, "Well, they never really treated me with respect and blah blah blah." So this is this is getting uh, really interesting. I know we got a couple follows from a couple of BC Lions on the roster. Uh, you know, if they wanted to just slip us a tip, we won't mention any names. If they just <laughs> want to send something our way. It was really cool because those players, uh, they're hopefuls looking to get into the BC Lions roster this year, and it looks like they're interacting and following all kinds of CFL fans all across the league, so that is really cool. That's what I love about this league. You really don't see that in any other professional league at all. And if I'm and if I'm wrong in my predictions about the BC Lions this year, that I think they're maybe going to take a step back uh you know, during the season and maybe fall out of the playoffs. If I'm wrong, I'd be willing to make a wager with any of those two gentlemen that are following us these days, and uh, we'll make some sort of a fun wager if they want to get in touch with us through Twitter or Facebook. 
You did have an inside track on some Paul McCallum information, though. Yesterday, I had a chance to talk to Riders General Manager Brendan Tammen before the mock game, and one reporter there, I believe, was Jamie Nye from the Green Zone in Regina, basically said, hey, have you thought about bringing Paul McCallum in? Because the Riders right now have five kickers in camp, three Canadians in incumbent Chris Milo, Hugh O'Neill, who is the best beard in the league, uh, former Husky Denton Kolodinsky, and then two Americans, including one of which Ray Early, which looks like he might have the inside track if they decide to go with an American punter. But it was interesting, and I've actually got the clip here uh, where where he's asked about uh, bringing Paul McCallum. Paul's proven throughout his career that he's a very good player, but right now I think it's incumbent on us to see what we have here, and obviously he's a guy that we definitely would consider, but... Would we act on it right now? Probably not. I don't know if they will bring him into Saskatchewan. That is definitely an interesting. Uh, he didn't say no. We'll say that much. But no. Do you think he could fit in with a team like Ottawa? I think so. Um, it's it's going to be tough to say because if you're Paul McCallum, what? I mean, the guy's had a good career in, in BC. Is that He's had a great career in the CFL. How far do you want to relocate, and do you want to go to a winning team? I look at more like, I think Rob's, uh, Ottawa's pretty happy with Rob Maver there yeah. uh, by the end of the year. I could look at maybe, like, I look at a team like Winnipeg, and I, I even, or Liram Haralahu, if he struggles in his second year, maybe that's a guy that uh, Winnipeg takes a look at, maybe kicks the tires on a Paul McCallum, because as much as I like Haralahu, he is a much better uh, field goal kicker than he is punter. I know that's kind of McCallum's downside too, but it could be interesting to see some veteran competition. Or uh, to me, I don't see McCallum getting signed in training camp. I see him being the first phone call by CFL general manager week three or four when their guy is struggling and or injured and Paul McCallum comes in and saves the day. Awesome. There is one story I do want to mention quickly. I'm going to be following it throughout the course of the season. There's that new $200 million lawsuit that got fired against the, or filed against the CFL and former commissioner Mark Cohan. It's basically a concussion lawsuit. Man, and honestly, I look at the players that are heavily involved in this, Corey Banks, Arlen Bruce, what do those two guys have in common? Hmm, they they were a little crazy? Yes, and basically their runs, Corey Banks, like he went to Winnipeg last training camp, and he was, I guess, had a terrible attitude. So O'Shea didn't want to put up with it and cut him loose. And Arlen Bruce, much of the same. His attitude is not the best either. Well, and it's interesting. <clears throat> All these concussion lawsuits have kind of always been settled. You look at the NFL. I know there's one against the NHL right now. But I can tell you, you know, and I'm going to tell you a story, Trav. I used to play fairly competitive hockey. I was a, a, a pretty good goaltending prospect back in my day. And I've had five or six concussions throughout my throughout my life and i can tell you like my last one was just an oopsie i was actually i was playing flag football and i ran into a guy and our heads kind of bonked yeah i didn't feel right for a year and i never took the kind of pounding that these guys in the cfl did so i can tell you you know the quality of life with concussions drops i mean it's to a point now that it's a joke that you know me and my wife kind of laugh about it but at the same time it's kind of scary that I have very poor short-term memory, and I do believe that's in part from some of these concussions. So, you know, these guys just want to get compensated for their quality of life. Now, again, it'll be interesting because it kind of comes down to he said, she said, where, well, the CFL knew about the damage that concussions can do, but they didn't tell us. 
and the CFL is going to say, no, we told you you were well aware. So this is going to get messy. I know the PR teams, uh, typically you look at the NFL one, the NFL one was settled, not a lot of fanfare. So as much as these guys may have been attitude problems and stuff during their time in the league, I think what they're doing, they just want a better quality of life for for some of the guys out there and it's it's a noble cause and it's going to be it's going to be real interesting. I mean, it's going to yeah, I, it's going to be tough to say what uh, what kind of shakes down with that. No, I I am concerned about some of these guys. A lot of times these lawsuits to me uh, for concussions seem like we lost our job in the CFL, the bank accounts running dry. Let's find a way to make them. I, I, it sounds like a mean thing to say, but two hundred million dollars—that could actually—you got to think that could sink the CFL if it goes to that point. Well, and I think you have to look at the precedent, and I don't know if it will, especially in Canada. Canada, it's a lot harder than the states to to argue about. You know, the states you can throw out a ridiculous number and take it to court, and the way their legal system works, you can have a chance at it. Canada, you'll have to show, okay, how much career earnings or how much earnings did you lose because of your quality of life and so on and so forth. I, It's a fancy number. I don't see it getting that large. I do agree that guys who have had their careers and their quality of life changed by concussions, such as yours truly, do deserve some sort of compensation from the league if they knew and they didn't share it. I think the league has to compensate these guys that lost their career, especially in the CFL where a career, you know, is three or four years. But I can't see it getting up to the $200 million mark. I see an out-of-court settlement here, Kura, for, you know, some guys getting some, some much-needed cash to, to help with their quality of life. And stories like this, to me, actually, they make me worry about the future of the game of football, not Canadian football, American football, just football altogether, because... Man, I've heard stories of people that they don't want to put their kids in football anymore because every single one of them is getting hit. They they all are. And with the research on concussions now, do you really want your kid to go through that? Um, there was a story. It was four years ago. CFL had distributed like these concussion flyers and posters yeah. to players. And, and the lawsuit claims that it didn't have a warning that says players and coaches should retire after suffering multiple concussions or blows yeah. to the head. I I think you see guys now like Brandon London. Now, I don't know if he has any concussion issues, but it at the end of the day, they have made a decision to be in football for this long. Now what we know it's. I don't really know if it's up to the team or the league to tell you to retire. It's up to the player at the end of the day. Well, but on the same note, if the players didn't know, I mean, if you don't know them, I mean, we know more about concussions, I think, within the past three, four years than we've ever known. Yeah. If players didn't didn't know back then, I think they've hit a point where, okay, they should have been educated. If the league knew this, they should have educated the players maybe a little better. Again, it comes down as the onus on the player or the league. That's going to be up for the courts to decide. But uh, it'll be an interesting situation to watch. I, I, again, I'd be absolutely floored if it hit the kind of numbers that uh, where the lawsuit is originally saying, that $200 million mark. Yeah, I guess I give the league and uh, the owners and uh, you know the managers the benefit of the doubt because I don't think they knew about concussions as well. I don't think... Yeah. I don't think they would just throw their players out there and knowing this information, I really don't think so, but I'll be I'll be following that one, but yeah, like you said, that 200 million dollars, that could be 
That could be tough for the CFL. I, I don't know if they could pay that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean, but I, I still I can't see it getting that high. All right, last week was the East Division preview. Let's get to the West Division preview. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. Let's start with the BC Lions, the preview for this upcoming season. Um, the addition list that players are bringing in is a lot shorter than the subtraction <laughs> list. Uh, I guess we'll start with those subtractions. So I guess we can now add Paul McCallum to that list. <laughs> He's gone. That's a recent one. And I do have to give the BC Lions a nod here. Consistently, year after year, they have the players that have the toughest names to pronounce. <laughs> they, I think Wally Buono does that because maybe he secretly hates the media. He must because, well, this guy's gone now. I believe he's he's off to Hamilton, I believe. Sedu Jr. Haidara? <laughs> I hope I said it right. He was a receiver. Quito Pobla. Now some easy ones. Uh, Stefan Logan, Tim Brown. Kevin Glenn, <laughs> Ernest Jackson, Khalif Mitchell. <laughs> Still laughing at me. I am. I'm sorry. I love it. I know you I know your pain, man. I do I do play by play of uh the Saskatoon Hilltops and there's some young men with some good Ukrainian names around the province. I'll tell you what. Oh, there are some there are some like uh our safety and kicker are uh Brett and Austin Thrarenson, but the first Whoa. time you look at Thrarenson you go, Huh? Just support the. Just change the last name for cabbage rolls or pierogies, and you're good to go. <laughs> and and now uh, kicking hilltops, and it'll be uh, Brett Cabbage Roll attempting a 32 yard <laughs> kick. It's up. It's off the foot. It's good. Brett Cabbage Roll, and it's oh three nothing worst. hilltops. <laughs> Back to the West Coast, where I don't think very many Ukrainians live. Um, Eric Taylor's leaving. Dante Marsh is leaving. And I would not be surprised if roster cut down day on Sunday, we see some more surprising names that are going to be added to that list from BC. Yeah, BC is going to be an interesting one to watch. I mean, when uh, whenever you bring in a new head coach, and I know they really weren't happy with the lay last season ended. Again, I cite, I believe this is episode one, I mentioned the tweet I saw from the BC Lions then guys where they believe ha there's going to be half of the roster of the 46-man roster heading into a game is going to be brand new. So that, to me, is interesting. Obviously, they know the Lions, uh, as far as podcasts are concerned, better than most. So it's going to be a season of transition in BC and always interesting to see how things are going to go yeah most of the additions coming in are you know rookies or yep. uh, actually nfl guys uh, shaquille murray lawrence he's coming in from the university of nevada now yep. the, now we're talking more <laughs> tough names to pronounce all right you spit them out Kura. is it sa marabre ajufo he, he he got drafted. He's a defensive lineman from Laurier. Now, I will be honest here. I've been listening to the BC Lions Den podcast just to try to learn how to say this guy's name, but they were struggling too, so I really don't feel bad. His last name's Ajufo. I think I got that right. Ajufo? Yeah. Uh, uh, all or right. Actually, let's... it might be a hyphen. Marabray. Oh, man. This is tough. <laughs> BC Lions, every year, toughest names to pronounce. <laughs> that, that, that's all right. I listened to uh, me being the Blue Bomber fan. I remember seeing the uh, 
what what looked like a typing error on the back of uh, Liram Haralahu's name uh, last year, <laughs> yeah. and specifically tuning in to the great Bob Irving and and hearing him uh, get it right, and me going, oh yeah, that's uh, so that's how you say it. All right, cool. <laughs> Uh, Cuthbert seems to name, nail them every year, too. I don't know how he does it. They're bringing in Austin Colley. Now, he had both three good years with the Indianapolis Colts. And then speaking of concussions, he had some issues there. He was latest. His latest job is with the New England Patriots. He got cut loose. He's coming up to BC. I actually think he's a very interesting sleeper pick. Well, if if you must have read my speaking notes I sent you because I've got him down as my lion sleeper because he is counted as Canadian. Oh, he counts as a Canadian. There's some I I forget the story. I think his I think dad it's the Ben be, Cahoon rule. It's very similar to the Ben Cahoon rule, but uh, that or something. Yeah, his dad uh, or somebody was born or he was born here while his dad was playing pro ball. uh, And with the new uh, Canadian rules, he counts as a Canadian. uh, And I know BC is going with Canadians at receiver, so he's going to be real interesting. Uh, I think he's going to be given every chance to uh, to compete for a job. And he did have some real good years in the NFL before he ran into some health problems. He might be one of those guys that maybe you using the CFL to get back on track but uh, I, I know we'll, we'll talk about them in a little bit here but he is definitely my he is definitely my sleeper especially you got to think BC's looking like they're going two imports at kicker they're gonna need Canadians someplace and I yep. think Austin Colley's gonna f- fit in real nice in BC they're also bringing in Lavelle Hawkins he comes from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I've heard he's been looking okay in camp and this one's surprising and I guess he's looking Pretty good at camp so far. Terrence Jeffers Harris, who's been out of the league for a few years now. Yeah, he burst onto the scene with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was another, he he didn't get along with the coaches. I remember he was brought in, that was 2011, when he was released by the Blue Bombers, went to Hamilton before the East Final. He didn't play for Hamilton, as everybody was basically saying, okay, he's been brought in to ask about the playbook, but he seemed to disappear off the map. I know he had some injury problems, but... It's nice to see a guy like that back in the league because when he was healthy those days in Winnipeg, man, he was impressive. That is a big comeback story. We'll see if he can make anything out of it. I'm, I was shocked when they signed him. So, I mean, Wally, he's a smart guy, so he must have seen something, something good there. Yeah, um, Wally's got a w- ring or two. Yeah, <laughs> or eight. <laughs> so at quarterback. Training camp's on right now. Travis Lule still not making any long throws over 25 yards. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's a physical thing. But you got to think that the mental part of coming back from an injury like that, toughest part probably. Well, I, I, I know me here with Ryder Camp talking to Darian Durant. That's what Durant keeps saying. The mental part's the hardest. The mental part is the hardest. I had a chance to talk to Scott McHenry as well. Uh, broke his neck in a game in BC last August. And McHenry, he actually said there was... <laughs> Somebody missed the memo during one of the first 12-on-12 sessions during the early parts of Ryder Camp, and he got lit up after making a catch. It was a rookie defensive back, and (laughs) McHenry got up, and he said, that might be the best thing that happened to me. I got hit. I know I'm fine. Like, I got up. My neck didn't hurt. I feel good now. So the mental part for Travis Lule, will he ever trust that shoulder again? He's actually 
into my he is my player to avoid as far as the BC Lions are concerned. I mean, you got to think that shoulder's being held together with duct tape, spaghetti, and hope. Uh, yep. And behind him, you don't have anybody with CFL experience. You don't have Kevin Glenn like they did last year because when Lule went down Kevin Glenn the world's best insurance policy sitting there ready to take over they don't have that that this year I'd be a little worried I wouldn't be drafting BC to me is that team that that's the team if you take my draft strategy of waiting to get a quarterback last that's who you're getting yeah is probably the BC Lions or Toronto Argonauts because of the injury concerns to Travis Lule Ricky Ray I have heard that Jonathan Jennings is making an impression at quarterback in camp, but again, he doesn't have that experience, and that's a big, big thing coming into the CFL. It is so different, and we're seeing that with so many players, like uh, Blake Sims. I didn't mention him in the news, but he already got cut. He's already gone. There's a guy with all sorts of upside. He was a terrific college quarterback, and just there are some guys whose skills just don't translate to Canada. I can't think of the last guy who stepped in in a year from coming out from the States, and feel free to correct us on Twitter and Facebook if you can think of somebody, but I can't think of a guy who stepped in and actually did a decent job of starting in the Canadian Football League without at least being a backup first. Look at every team around the league right now. Jonathan Crompton, Montreal, he's the biggest question mark maybe of anybody. He was a backup. He floated around the league. Darian Durant, in my mind, right now, the best quarterback in the CFL is Darian Durant. He backed up. He was a backup for a while. You look at same with Mike Riley in Edmonton. He was a backup. He learned the game. Travis Lule came out of that BC quarterback factory. Bo Levi Mitchell. I don't think there's a single guy that, that has come up north recently and been the starter day one. You have to learn the Canadian game, and it's such a different ball of wax, and guys can't get their heads around it, and that's why I'm so concerned about BC this year. You have zero CFL experience. It's funny, because we look at uh, Anthony Calvillo, too. He... We look at him as a legend now, but when he started and he was in Hamilton and Vegas, he was terrible. He was basically traded for a jock strap once. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean and ended up figuring it out and becoming the best of all time. A guy a guy I absolutely hated because he'd torch your team every single time, but yep. uh I, I, I got a chance to meet him real briefly here. He was randomly up here in Saskatoon. And a fun story, a, a friend of mine who works for CTV here in Saskatoon, a guy by the name of Jeremy Dodge, uh, they did a, a quick uh, bit like, oh, hey, look at the TV man go out and play football. And he was catching passes from Anthony Calvillo. Those were the first passes that Calvillo had thrown since retiring. He hadn't picked wow. up a football. He was out here at Griffith Stadium working with the Huskies a little bit during during their training camp last year because obviously as a connection, the Huskies, Saskatchewan Huskies offensive coordinator is Scott Flory, brought in Anthony Calvillo to walk, work with the quarterbacks. Everybody was just raving about the guy in that organization. And yeah, my, my buddy Jeremy telling me, yeah, it was pretty cool getting catch a pass from Anthony Calvillo. For every team we've cut... We're coming up with sure things, players we're avoiding, and sleepers. Who's your sure thing in BC? Andrew Harris. He had he was a little banged up last year. 122 carries, 652 yards. He moves way up my draft board too. He's a ratio buster, the running back position. He's a Canadian kid. I think BC is going to have some problems with the passing game. Whether if Lule isn't healthy, they're going to be going run heavy. And Andrew Harris is going to be their guy. He's been terrific in the past. I think he's going to be terrific again. And you need Canadians to start on your fantasy football team in a fantasy standard league, and that guy is a ratio buster. If you can have a Canadian at running back, you can go with basically put a Canadian running back receiver 
you can basically load up wherever the hell you feel like elsewhere, man. Are you worried that he's going to go down to injury some point in this season? I am a little bit. Uh, I I think any guy with, with the injury concerns, but I look at that BC roster, and outside of maybe Gore as a wideout, I don't see any other sure things. And uh, the problem is when you have the quarterbacking questions with a team, all of a sudden, you're, you remember, your value of all your receivers is going to drop. There's no Kevin Glenn. I don't think Travis Lule makes the season. I think BC can still win some games, but they have to hope for Andrew Harris. And looking through that roster right now, especially with so much turnover and a lot of new guys starting in places, Harris is the closest thing I have to a sure thing. Yes, he does have injury concerns. My sure thing is not a guy I'm saying take first overall. I'm saying he's a guy to take in the first round, though. I did question you about Andrew Harris's injury uh, history. I'm being kind of a hypocrite because my sure thing is Manny Arsenal. I <laughs> think he is that good. And with the new rules, if you get him the ball, doesn't matter where he is on the field, he will make things happen. So whether it's Lule or Jonathan Jennings or John Beck, I think anybody, if they get Arsenal the ball, he is going to do, do amazing things if he can stay healthy. Miami Dolphins legend John Beck, by the way. <laughs> uh, and Manny Arsenault was my runner-up for my sure thing. Uh, I don't see him as a first-round kind of pick. Uh, I do see him as a as a good high pick, maybe a second, third-rounder, uh, because I do agree with you, but you're right. He does have some injury concerns and lots of, lots of questions in BC this year. And speaking of Miami Dolphins legends, I think we can put the episode one legend, Cleo Lemon, in that category as well. <laughs> <laughs> Have we found him yet? Is he coming on the show yet? Because that'd be cool. I've seen him on Twitter. It looks like he's coaching like high school football in Florida, but he's yeah. kind of like involved every or ignored any time I've tagged him in a tweet. So I don't think he wants any part of us. Well, maybe one day if we ever become more famous other than you know our close friends and family, we can uh, we can reach <laughs> out to him. But that seems to be the career path for a lot of these guys. I still follow guys like Alex Brink and Joey Elliott. Uh, I know Joey Elliott ended up on the Red Blacks roster, but it seems as though as soon as these American guys flame out of the CFL, they're running quarterback camps or coaching high school football. So it's good to see all those guys that once they retire, giving back to the game in some way. I am avoiding quarterbacks in BC. I think that goes without saying. That's two of us. Yeah, yeah. And my sleeper in BC, Ronnie Yell. He's a rookie there. Looks like he's going to be taking over Dante Marsh's spot from last season. And he is really impressing in training camp. And if that defense is going to be on the field a lot, that's a guy I want. Ronnie Yell. I'm, I think he's going to put up big numbers this year. And you know, uh, again, we've talked to some of the name value in some CFL drafts. There's a guy that's going to be picked behind a lot of guys because of the name value because he doesn't have the previous credentials. But remember, in the CFL, I use Ernest Jackson as an example of this. Sometimes jump on a guy when he's had a good week or two because if he's projecting upwards, he's going to find they're going to find a way to keep him in the lineup. Yep. Who's your sleeper? My sleeper was Austin Colley, uh, only because of his Canadian passport, and uh, yeah. I, I think you, you watch you watch what he did in the NFL. Obviously, the guy's got receiving chops. Uh, his passport's going to make sure he stays on the field. Again, his value could drop a little bit if Travis Lule uh, isn't healthy, but I could see him, if you're going to, if you end up with someone with one of your sure thing Canadian receivers uh, in the first round, like uh, an Andy Fantus, for example, maybe you keep Colley on your bench just to make sure you keep that spot full Canadian. All right, John. So we did say we wouldn't be biased on this podcast. So I got you quarterbacking the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 
preview. What do you got? Well, I can tell you we're going to break down the additions and subtractions. First, let's look at the additions because they brought in some guys with some serious name value. The top of my list is Shea Emery, 72 tackles and a sack. He was traded for Ricky Foley. Basically, the writers said, hey, our D-line is going to be strong. We need a linebacker. Shea Emery's the guy. He's looked intense in camp. He's looked good. That's going to be a good one for the Riders. Keegan, He's one of those guys you hate to play against but love him on your team. Oh, remember all those years in Toronto where he would just – Kill and guys Montreal, and like I and hate Montreal. it. Oh, but everybody, for a guy like you that's a big Ryder fan, you're going to love him. Uh, Keenan McDougal, he'll beef up the special teams. He's versatile enough to play multiple spots, which always works well for Corey Chamberlain. He likes mixing things up in his defense. Right now at camp, Tyron Brackenridge hasn't played a whole lot. Keenan McDougal, the Canadian guy, U of S Husky alumni, he filled in with the number one defense at safety for his spot with Brackenridge. Wow. Do you think they'll put Brackenridge at linebacker this year then? I I don't I don't know. That's a tough situation. I think again Chamberlain likes mixing things up so much that Brackenridge might play some linebacker, McDougal might play linebacker, they might both play safety. Hell, he might put them both at receiver the way that uh, Chamberlain likes mixing things up. He really likes giving <laughs> his defense different looks, so he's got some versatile guys uh back there. Uh last year, every Ryder fan remembers the day Banjo Bowl, I was sitting outside, I had taken my TV out in my backyard, my wife's a big Ryder fan, and watched that arm injury of Darian Durant's take place, and instantly you knew it was serious. So what did they do? They went out and got Kevin Glenn. He's 10th all-time at CFL passing yards and a hell of an upgraded backup quarterback if Durant goes down again. I can't say enough good things about Tino Sinceri. I like him as an interview. He's a good person, always willing to take sign, sign an autograph, but... He looks overmatched in the CFL. I don't think Tino is going to be a CFL caliber quarterback. So you go out and get Kevin Glenn. And it's actually interesting. Uh, Chamberlain said at the beginning of camp that the Riders tried to get Glenn last year before Durant's injury. Oh. So they've been high on this guy for a while. And it's, it's, it's rare that you hear a coach come right out and say that. But uh, they've been high on Glenn for a while. His career comes full circle. He's back in Saskatchewan. Uh, looks, uh, he doesn't look all that sharp in camp, but I think a big part of that is he's been working primarily with the twos. I think if you put him behind that rider offensive line and let him throw to the likes of Dressler, gets laugh bag, he'll look just fine. Uh, Alex Hall, the forgotten man of the CFL offseason, no is, is back. Uh, it was interesting. I asked Hall, and he told us that every single team did reach out. They knew he was available. They knew the 2013 sack leader uh, was there. He is back, and he looks scary. Uh, he's been making fun of me at camp because uh, the <laughs> microphone I use, it looks like it has an afro. Uh, he's been saying I get the bottom of the barrel equipment. He's like, man, that afro mic, that thing is great. Uh, the other recorder I use is two little windsocks, makes it look like Princess Leia. Uh, so then I'm interviewing Scott McHenry, and uh, there, uh, there comes Alex Hall making fun of my Princess Leia mic. That's awesome. And as well, uh, obviously the Riders brought in a whole bunch of uh, rookies. Uh, Nick Dembski is the highest profile among them. Four-time All-Canadian for Manitoba. Honestly, one of the best players at the CIS level I've ever had a treat to watch live. Uh, He's working with the twos right now. I don't know if he's going to be a big part of what the Riders do this year. uh, But years in the future, he's going to be a dynamic player. As well, Rory Conop, he's a defensive lineman. Another one of the Rider draft picks. He looks like he's going to have a bigger impact coming out of the draft than anyone else that the Riders have picked up. Can you talk about the Roosevelt kid that they've got there? It looks like he's making some noise at camp. He has been making some noise. He was perhaps one of the most impressive players in yesterday's uh, mock game. Uh, 
he's he is making some noise, but he again on a team with, like the Riders that has so much veteran depth, yeah. these guys are going to come in. They're going to be a great situation for next man up. But is Roosevelt going to take a job of a starter? I don't know if he's going to do that. I don't know if he's played and looked good enough in camp. He looks like he's a nice piece to have on your roster, but I don't know if he's going to be enough to step up and take away a, a veteran CFLer's job. I could be wrong. There's still lots of camp left. The Riders still have the two exhibition games yet to play. All right, that's who's coming in. That's who's leaving. As far as fantasy, who's your sure thing avoiding uh, players and sleeping? Well, for sure, my sleeping. sure thing. <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> who's your sleeping? Uh, well, there's a guy. He's taking a nap on the sidelines during a water break there. Uh, I don't. Think who's that? Who's that? I want to know. <laughs> Uh, for me, the sure thing is Weston Dressler. He's back to being uh, CFL-sized. He kind of beefed up a little bit uh, to get down into the NFL. They asked him to be bigger. He looks more like the Weston Dressler two years ago. He's got real quarterbacks throwing him the ball for sure this year, and he's also going to earn you some extra points on special teams. Again, the thing that hurt all the Saskatchewan receivers' value last year was when Durant went down. Yeah. Unlike some other teams around the league, you know Kevin Glenn can step in right away. Uh, so my sure thing is Weston Dressler. A little nicked up in camp right now, but again, that comes down to the riders. They know what he's going to bring to the table. They don't want to push him. They're smart like that. I think Dressler's going to have a very, very big year in that new Jacques Chapeldane offense. <laughs> I do like John Chick as a sure thing on defense. I also really like uh, Shea Emery. Man, if you can get a Canadian game changer on defense, that is massive. That yeah, is we talked really about big. the huge advantage of having Canadians yeah. uh, on defense. And uh, Shea Emery was another contender. I'm not going to disagree with you one bit there. Uh, I think he's going to be great. Another sure thing for me out of uh, Ryderville, uh, although he is American, would be Tyron Brackenridge. Uh, he just plays all over the field. They like using him in different spots. He's going to have numbers as far as if they play him at linebacker like they, they like to do in some sets. He's going to get big tackle numbers if they play him as a defensive back that's when you're going to see uh interceptions and forced fumbles and things like that so there's a few sure things on the riders i've owned brackenridge the past few years and he once in a while he'll come up with big games that he almost has as many points as a receiver so <laughs> i love having having him on my team <laughs> for me a couple to avoid i'm gonna give you uh, again a canadian and an american receiver here avoid okay. jamal richardson uh he's coming back from a lot of knee injuries uh he just doesn't seem to be clicking doesn't seem to be having that next gear he is practicing with the number one receivers but he's real injury prone and doesn't look like his former self and another guy that he's going to be a name he's going to be off your board early I stay away from him a little bit. Chris Getzlaff, he's got some injury history, especially in the hamstrings. He's turning 32. Last season only had 36 catches for 552 yards. Full disclosure, I, he would have been a better option at quarterback than some of the riders that, that they had last year. I would have had Chris <laughs> Getzlaff at quarterback ahead of, uh, you know, uh, what was his name? Seth Doigy? Dodge? Seth, Seth Much Dodge? Such win? It's Daggy. I know it's Daggy. <laughs> The forgotten yeah. man. Walk out on your first three CFL passes, two interceptions. That's John Fraser numbers. <laughs> <laughs> they should have tried Getzlaff at, at quarterback. What's the worst that could have happened? Yeah, first Canadian quarterback in how long? That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, but but again, as a receiver, maybe stay away from him a little bit. Again, another one, and I have a hard time, especially some of these guys I'm a little closer to that I cover on a daily basis. He's a great guy, does lots for charity here. 
and I hope he and I hope he proves me wrong. I really do. But I just I just he seems to have lost a step. Yesterday in the mock game, only caught one pass uh, and didn't look to to really be putting it all together just quite yet. Who's your sleeper in Saskatchewan? My sleeper in Saskatchewan uh, would be Terrius George. He had a great year last year, but I Steady, think he qualifies yeah. as a sleeper. Because when you you look at the big names along the Ryder D-line, you're looking at John Chick, you're looking at Alex Hall, there's Terrius George in the middle. You have to think that the, the way they're set up, the, the double teams, if they can, are going to be on either Chick or Hall in any given game. game George's talent level isn't that far off. He's a great player. I, I think he's going to get his chances for tackles and sacks as well. Another sleeper is Ryan Smith. Uh, last year, everybody said, oh, yeah, he's going to be great. He's Dressler 2.0, uh, very similar, very quick. Uh, comes this from year, North Dakota. Comes from North Dakota. He looks like Dressler 2.0 this year. Uh, the biggest reason being uh, he he seemed more comfortable in the offense. There's some trust uh, with uh, with Darian Durant in him. He looked great in yesterday's mock game. Yeah, I I wanted to talk about Ryan Smith as well because last year he was he was pretty hyped heading into the season in camp. Mm-hmm. He he fights for the ball. He fights for those extra yards. Is he going to be the primary returner in Saskatchewan? I believe that's still going to Dressler from uh, from everything it looks like. Really? But, uh, yeah, I still think it's going to be Dressler, that he's going to be the primary return guy. Uh, but to right behind him, again, with Dressler not taking, uh, not doing punt returns, not playing receiver in yesterday's mock game, uh, Ryan Smith got a chance to do that. So I think Dressler's the guy. I think Dressler enjoys being the guy on punt returns. Uh, but if a Dressler injury is to happen, which is rare, or maybe they try mixing things up, you could see Ryan Smith there. He he basically he is quite literally filling in. He is Dressler's backup at every spot. It seems right now. Because <laughs> for me, putting Dressler at returner is like Montreal putting SJ Green at returner. Like why? I don't know why they want him out there and risk injury that much more. But because there's nobody better than him. I mean, wow. Tristan Jackson has kind of lost a step. But you look at that Ottawa game last year that they almost lost. You have a game-breaker back there in Weston Dressler, and he, he looks so good doing it last season, and I think he enjoys doing it, and he, he's out there, and he's never had real injury concerns. I mean, he did have the broken leg one year, but that's kind of been a one-off. It's not like a muscular thing where he's always had shoulder problems or yeah, hamstring yeah. problems. You know, He had that broken leg, came back, He's fine now, and I could see them continuing to use Dressler back there. He's been taking every punt return drill uh, so far in training camp. Let's go to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They're bringing in basically an entirely new offensive line. <laughs> oh, thank God. I oh, remember, yeah. I remember watching Terrence Howard and just thinking, okay, I'm like five foot nine ish, 200 and some pounds, and I could probably block better than Terrence Howard because he was <laughs> awful last year. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers needed offensive line help. I tell you this as a guy who watched every one of their games and cried into my beer some nights watching <laughs> Drew really get murdered in the face. So, of course, they're bringing in Dominic Picard. He's going to line up at center there. They're bringing in Stanley Bryant from Calgary, which is huge. He's an amazing O-lineman. He's been a little nicked up, though. That's that's the only thing that worries me a little bit. Some of these bomber O-linemen, I know Patty Neufeld is dealing with uh, some stuff. Stanley Bryant's dealing with stuff. I hope it's just, okay, guys, we need you for the regular season. Sit out some practices here. They're bringing it, or they drafted, I guess, another guy kind of from Calgary. He went to the UFC. Suk Chung is coming in. They're also bringing in Mark Dial, 
from Hamilton. So that is uh, that is an extreme makeover on the offensive line. That should help uh, keep Willie on his feet a little bit more. And from a guy who, who's been around the CFL, Chung, or CIS, I should say, Chung is a great lineman. He really helped with that Calgary system. They're, yeah. kind of, they're becoming a bit of an online factory there in Calgary. And again, they beat the Huskies a couple times last year. It was a big <laughs> part of those victories. Yeah, Calgary and Laval, man, they keep pumping out old linemen like rabbits. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett oh. Wagoner also coming in. He's kind of a linebacker DB hybrid. He came in uh, in the su- supplemental draft from the Dartmouth Big Green. By the way, do you remember that movie Big Green? I, I don't remember Big Green. You want to give me the too long didn't read version of it? Oh my god. Basically it is a it's a kid's movie. Um <laughs> it's it's about soccer. So this kid's soccer team plays against these and they're just terrible. They started oh it, it's basically you remember the movie Sandlot, of course. Oh of course. I love the Sandlot. It's Big Green, except for baseball. So Big Green's a soccer movie. It's actually pretty cool. Makes Go sense. back and watch that. <laughs> I, I might have to do that. Film recommendations. Ki- obscure kids movies with Travis Curl. <laughs> I don't know if it'll have the same effect at this age that it did when it came out in the mid-90s, but man, <laughs> go back and watch that. <laughs> They're also bringing in Jamal Westerman. Came from uh, Cleveland Browns practice roster. Kind of a five-year NFL career, 60 tackles, six sacks, one forced fumble in five years down south. It'll be interesting to see what he brings to the team because Ian Wild is leaving. He's going to the Steelers, so they've got some new pieces on defense that could probably fit in very nicely in Winnipeg. And they're losing some veterans. Jason Vega, i got to say, he is a casualty of the cap because he's not a bad player at all. He's not uh, a bad player at all, but he didn't seem to fit when he returned last year. I know I picked him along our uh, my uh, defensive line uh, for the Labatt Brewery, my uh, my fantasy team last year, and he just didn't seem to put up the numbers. Uh, I, I think that big part was the weird Gary Etreveri defense that they were playing there. Uh, the mad I, scientist in Winnipeg. The, ma- yeah. the mad scientist that uh, couldn't quite make his science work uh, i'm glad to see richie <laughs> hall there i think richie hall is going to do a bit better job they're also than, losing uh, a uh, a veteran on the o-line steve morley so bringing in a bunch losing not all that much but yeah that mad <laughs> man in saskatchewan like he went to the gray cup twice with them yeah but he he just didn't have the pieces in winnipeg no 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 he didn't too you know i i, I just pictured him like Four in the morning in his basement, drawing up like he had like defensive backs playing defensive end, and like he was crazy. Uh, well, I, I I imagine you know those old like uh, like power football games that when you'd plug him in, all the players would just seem to just spin around and twirl and twirl and twirl. <laughs> I think that's how he he kind of uh, he would bring that to practice and look at a guy like okay, Ian Wild, Jason Vaga. All right, you both sit off in the corner and you twirl. Uh, let's see. You run towards the quarterback. You run towards the sidelines. You go get me a hot dog. It always seems to be – I'm starting to find a theme here in the CFL. When there's a defensive-minded head coach and a bit of a mad scientist as the defensive coordinator, the relationship always seems to be pretty short. Look at Chamberlain, yeah. uh, look at Chamberlain last year. Uh, he brought in Greg Quick and basically said, listen, man, this is going to be my defense. Uh, Mike O'Shea with Gary Echeverity. So it's going to be interesting to see the relationship between O'Shea and Hall. Obviously, they must share some philosophical similarities. Otherwise, I don't think Richie Hall would be there. 
My sure thing in Winnipeg, Clarence Denmark, 1,080 yards last season, three touchdowns. I got to think with the new rules, the new offensive line, he's going to be able to actually expand on that and probably put a few more touchdowns in the end zone. He had uh, over 1,000 yards but only three scores. I think uh, he'll expand on that this year. It doesn't turn 30 until September. Uh, I'm avoiding Nick Moore. Yeah, uh, yep. He, I, I'm with you on that one. I thought Winnipeg actually kind of overpaid for Nick Moore in the first place. He had that big year in BC. And well, they then, had to because they were such a crappy team the year before, and the Joe Mack era absolutely decimated that roster. They, Of course they're going to have to overpay. It's, it's similar to the Edmonton Oilers in the NHL. If you've been crap for so long, you're going to yeah. have to pay a little bit more. And my sleeper there, Paris Cotton, who I think he, he doesn't have the starting job at running back completely completely his yet there are having kind of a battle there but he is looking good and with the new old line and a full season in the backfield in winnipeg i think he can make some noise honorable mention to sam hurl uh yep uh o'Shea gave him a kind of a nod and saying hey we might actually start him at linebacker so that'll I, I be think interesting he, I think see. he's going to. I saw Bob Irving, the legendary voice of the Blue Bombers, tweet out as well that Sam Hurl has looked good. Uh, I, I'm high on him. For me, my sure thing, We can, I mean, we can't give points for the O-line. Otherwise, I'm yeah. sure our sure thing would be some <laughs> of those guys along that O-line. But I can tell you Drew Willie or take Winnipeg's quarterbacks as a whole. He finished mm-hmm. near the top of the league in passing yards, and all the Bombers did was upgrade his entire O-line. So this year, it won't be open season on Drew Willie. <laughs> the guy got hit like it's seemed every play somebody was in his face so expect even better things out of drew willie he's got a new contract in winnipeg he's got lots of job security you know he's the guy in winnipeg and even behind him i think robert marv not Favre, but robert marv is a good backup he showed some flashes in some cfl time next year and again like i say i like seeing guys that get a little bit of cfl experience so i think if willie does go down you're gonna see the marvs of the world step up and do a fine job behind him so i think winnipeg for once for the first time since the kahari jones era you can say they're quarterbacks or somebody to buy high on yeah (laughs) it's been a long time oh and this is one of those teams that in your draft uh, because of the name value because winnipeg's been crap for so long and let's face it in your draft there's always going to be at least two or three rider fans that can't bring themselves to take winnipeg's quarterbacks yeah you might be able to get them a little lower if you're you know kind of that 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 sixth seventh eighth pick you might be able to get winnipeg's quarterbacks there Uh, i'm avoiding zach anderson he'll probably be the centerpiece of that bombers defensive line he's injured a lot. I would avoid him for those reasons. Um, my sleeper, we just found out this morning that Troy Studemeyer is going to be out for four to six weeks. I would still try to get him late in a draft. I wow. would still do it. Only He led the club with 1,192 combined yards in only seven games. They're putting him out at receiver a little bit. So he is their primary returner. Returners are getting individual points and fantasy standard scoring this year as well. Studemeyer might come up with some catches. You can draft him and put him on your injured list. You know, if you're in that, that sixth or seventh, if you're in that late round, and you're looking at guys you know aren't going to start, or you're, you're, you got some questions, take him if you know you can go out in your waiver wire and fill in for him for a week or two. Take him as a depth pick because once he comes back and once he gets healthy, you might have to keep him on your bench till Labor Day, but after that, he's going to be huge in Winnipeg. And speaking of receivers in uh, Bomber training camp, there are a lot of guys making 
some noise there. Um, Darvin Adams, I've. it seems like every single day he is making a play in training camp and they are bringing him up and he's being praised right now. So he might be one of those, you know, late in your draft picks that nobody really knows about. And yeah. I might actually take a flyer on him. Well, you've got Adams. Uh, you you mentioned Clarence Denmark. I think Nick Moore. I disagree with you a little bit. I think he has a bounce back season. He'll never be worth what they're paying him. But I no. think he has a nice bounce back year here in Winnipeg. And with that all O line, I see Drew Willie having some options. My big question here, as a Blue Bomber fan. Are they deep enough with Canadians? Because let's face it, Joe Mack basically ignored Canadians, which is the worst thing you can do. Kyle Walters has done a good job bringing in Canadian depth. I think Winnipeg starters can dance with anybody in the league, but they're an injury or two away from playing some guys that I'm not sure about. Another guy I like is a, as, as a, this is a real sleeper pick, and this is only because I like him, former Saskatoon Hilltop, uh, Greg Newman. He had that ugly ankle injury last year. Uh, he might be, if you're going to go with a Canadian linebacker, if you can get a Shea Emery, maybe keep Newman on your bench in case he emerges to play a little bit uh, of defensive back or linebacker here for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's a guy, he might do some good things this year now that he's healthy. couple guys also making noise on receiver there. I don't even know how to say their names, to be honest. Uh, Jomo Gordon, and then there's <laughs> Lavassier Tune, who... Has been making some really flashy plays there. Now, we are recording this on Sunday. They do have their first preseason game. Uh, is it tomorrow? They are they are playing, so I don't know what these guys do. We'll be able to talk about it next week on the podcast. Uh, what's going on in Calgary? Well, I can tell you, in Calgary, there's a pretty well equal number of additions and uh, subtractions. Uh, I mean, most of their additions do come from the draft as far as the stamps are concerned, so I'm going to focus on that. Uh, Joe Burnett is a defensive back. He's known for playing multiple spots in the backfield. He's an ad. I really like his numbers were down a bit in Edmonton last year, but in he was hurt a lot of last year, so he didn't he, play a lot. No, he didn't play a lot. He was hurt in 2012. Remember, this is a guy that had six interceptions. Expect to bounce back here playing in that Calgary defense. Uh, Trayvon Campbell, he was an absolute stud in the CIS. Canadian kid, he's ready to step in with the Stamps. But I just don't see that being this year. The Stamps like to bring guys slow. They got lots of depth there. And the same being said for wide receiver Lamar Durant. Teams must have thought there were some issues with him. He's the number one rated receiver yeah. in the CFL draft, and he fell, and he fell hard. I don't know what those issues were, but he's going to have to go ahead and learn to earn his keep in Calgary. Uh, Carl Lavoie uh, from Laval, like the U of S, basically a factory for offensive linemen. He'll have a chance to step in and serve as his backup. Jasper Simmons, he's a, he's a nice add, but... This is one of those guys I'm a little unsure on. He had 80 tackles and three picks for Ottawa last year at the linebacker spot. But there, the all-caps D was on the field a lot. They were. Now, is that a good player or is that a bad team? I I don't I don't mind him. I think he's a good ad for Calgary, but I don't know if he's going to have another 80-tackle, three-interception year. Uh, looking at subtractions, uh, Quincy Butler still hasn't found a spot. They let him go. Uh, they brought in lots of upgrades back there. Uh, lost a couple of big-time old linemen. This is going to be interesting in Calgary. Stanley Bryant's in Winnipeg. Brett Jones, the Weyburn kid, trying out in the NFL. On the defensive line, another guy going to the NFL, Sean Lemon. Eight CFL quarterbacks alive. No real replacement was brought in that I can see, so they're going to have to lean on their depth a little bit. Yep. Uh, they're losing uh, two receivers in Nick Lewis and Maurice Price, uh, both of whom I believe are past their best before date a little bit. Uh, Brad Sinopoli, uh, there's a guy, Canadian kid, 
I like him a lot. He's my sleeper in Ottawa. But with all these receivers being gone, I think it's taking a big chunk out of that famous depth they had. So look at Joe West and Markway McDaniel. Expect a jump in their numbers. Who are you avoiding? Who are you uh, definitely picking? Who's your sleeper? I'm definitely picking Mark Wayman Daniel. I just mentioned that Calgary liked to spread out the ball a lot last year. I don't think they'll be able to do that. No no Lewis, no Price, no Sinopoli. Uh, he's going to be the primary target for quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell. 54 catches last year, 792 yards. Expect both those numbers to go up. Uh, I'm uh, My sleeper, uh, I'm going to get to my avoid because I think you're, you and I are going to have a debate on the avoid. Uh, I always want one of my spots on my D-line to be Canadian. Why not go with the go one? Ricky Foley is going to be first off the board. Corey Mace, a nice cheap alternative. You're going to be able to find a little later in your draft. Again, injury concerns. That one makes him a sleeper, but I like him. And avoid. Okay. Avoid this John is, Cornish. I, I think it's insane. No, avoid John is it Cornish. Because of the, is it because of the offensive lineman? It's because of the offensive lineman. It's because of the injury history. And there's one thing that Calgary has always done. When Cornish is hurt, they basically tell him, go away till you feel better. As a guy who has had a lot of concussions, it's easier to get another one, and Calgary's going to be good. They're fine with resting him. They are. They have no issues resting John Cornish because the rest of their team is that good. I think Calgary's going to be that good again. I do say this, though, with, with a grain of salt. If you can get John Cornish late in your first round, take him, but make sure you get his backup in Matt Walter. Who are if you ranking go- higher, John Cornish or Andrew Harris? Oh, uh, you're killing me, Kura. I'd I'd go Andrew Harris. I'd I will to. make you a bet that John Cornish has more fantasy points this year than Andrew Harris. I I do I do agree, but see now again, this avoid comes with a grain of salt. I'm a saying avoid him with your first overall pick. I'm not saying if you can't get him, uh, if you can still get John Cornish in your first round, take him. If you have that number one pick. I would stay away from him, and I'm only avoiding him. You need to, if you get John Cornish, you need to get Matt Walter. You need to work out a trade. You need to do something so you have both of those Calgary running backs in case Cornish goes down. Again, I'm not saying that I don't think John Cornish is going to have a big season, even to the, the fact I won't take that bet with you over Andrew Harris. I think Andrew Harris sees the field more. Cornish has proven time and time again he has giant numbers, but you got to get Matt Walter. You have to. If you get John Cornish and not Matt Walter, work out a trade with whoever got Matt Walter and trade for one of their big pieces someplace else because I just I see John Cornish he's not a guy that 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 they're going to push back into the lineup because they're good enough without him they like resting him he's had some injury history if you've got Matt Walter there you can just flip-flop those two depending on who's playing great you're in position a so avoid John Cornish if you can't get Matt Walter so basically what you're saying is not completely avoid John Cornish, but don't take him as a top three pick this year. No, or if you're going to take him as a top three pick, do everything in your power to get Matt Walter, or keep an eye on who gets John Cornish, and then draft Matt Walter. Because you'll be able to get, you'll get value out of that guy. That's great, that's great. The guys I'm looking at in Calgary is sleeper. I really like Jeff Fuller and I really like Eric Rogers. Those guys are going to put up some numbers working with Bo Levi this year. No disagreement there. They're going to step into the roles of those departed uh, of some of those departed players. And uh, Joe West, I think he's got the name, but I I'm staying away from him. He are you? I I I don't think he's going to stay healthy. And what is he? He's 31 now. I. 
I'm out on Joe West. I think he's the number two option in Calgary. I think it's Markway McDaniel, Joe West leading those stamps to another uh, West Division title. Oh, awesome. You think they're winning the West? I think they're winning the West. Well, I think this team's winning the West, the Edmonton Eskimos. That's only because you're a season ticket holder, you filthy bandwagon hopper. <laughs> I only have season tickets because I don't want to support the Stampeders, and i got to go watch some football. <laughs> see, see, that's why. This is why I handle the Riders and the Stamps, and you handle everybody. Well, I, I can't think of who I really hate these days because my Bombers have been so bad that just winning a game has been cause for celebration. <laughs> hey, they won! Bust out the Caesars! Woo! Woo! Parade down Port Hodge. Woo. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. It, what? What did you just call it? I said Portage. It's Portage. It is Portage, Oh, my Maine. God. <laughs> Good thing you taught me that because I'm going to the Grey Cup this year and I probably oh, would have said Portage some, three or four times. Somebody, somebody would have murdered you in the face. Now, I do want to pick Edmonton as winning the West, but it's much of the same as I, I said about Toronto last week. They didn't make all that many changes. Well, well if if they they were such a good team last year that almost won the West last year, if it wasn't for Mike Riley's broken wheel, I think they would have had a great chance. So I can see why they didn't make a lot of changes. So now with John White going down, uh, we'll talk about who's coming in and who's going out. They're bringing in Kenny Stafford. He had 20 catches, 230 yards, touchdown with Montreal last year. I, I don't like even, him. I do like him as a very, you know, end of the draft kind of guy. I don't know how much he's going to see the field at this point, but as the season goes on, injuries pile up. I think he can come in and have a, like, right around Labor Day, he can start making yep. some noise with the Eskimos. They're bringing in Wallace Miles, who I thought actually had a nice season with the Red Blacks 50 catches, 732 yards, four touchdowns. I went and checked out camp on Saturday. He was invisible. He, he really didn't. I don't even know he, if he was there, to be honest. I was looking for him. And and couldn't. It, it, see, that's another thing. I'm a little. Some of those guys on that Red Blacks team from last year, they're going to have inflated numbers just because there was nobody else there. And who knows what's going to happen when they get to a good team. So any ex-Red Blacks that looked like they were impressive, that I'd knock them down my draft board a round or two. Yeah, the Wallace Miles, uh, he's been very quiet. There's hardly been any talk about him. So well, even though he had a, seven yards, 700 yards last year. He was a 700-yard receiver, and they went out and replaced their entire receiving core. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of guys, like, I know people crapped on Henry, but I think he didn't have much support either from the offensive <laughs> line or the receivers. So No, he didn't. Uh, Greg Woat coming in from Hamilton. David Beard, love that name, drafted from the U of A. <laughs> and uh, Danny Grew, of course, from Laval. And Alexander Krausnick, also from Ottawa, who... Do you remember when the Red Blacks played the Riders? He had a 31-yard reception, and Brackenridge, brave enough to stand in his way, got bowled over. <laughs> I remember watching that. Just He, he killed him. He, he just ran him over like he was a dump truck, and that's saying something because Brackenridge is a... He's no slouch, man. He's one of the most sheer tacklers in the league. <laughs> yeah, Krausnick know, just right? ran him over. Uh, uh, he he did leave practice when I was there. I did hear that he got into a tussle with Des Dexter McCoyle uh, on Sunday. So 
Jones coming out and saying, hey, you guys sucked. You had the worst day in practice yesterday. I think it really lit a fire under them, and they were throwing uh, bombs at each other. They're losing Fred Stamps. He was a non-factor last year. He's off to Montreal. Pat White retired. Matthew O'Donnell, he's gone. Joe Burnett's off to Calgary. And a guy that I actually kind of liked last year, A.J. Guyton, 400 yards last year. He had some very flashy plays. Yep. He's just a free agent. He's sitting there doing nothing. Which you almost wonder if guys like that aren't looking at their other career opportunities and going. Yeah. And again, I've spoken to other CFLers who retired or dis or left the league young. That basically the situation was: Do I want to pack up my things and move to Montreal for maybe a year or two, or do I just right. want to kind of stick around what I know, uh, what I like, and what I'm used to? So that might be one of those situations. My sure thing in Edmonton, Adarius Bowman, almost 1,500 receiving yards last year. The new rules, I think. Now, earlier, episode one, I'm like, I don't know if this guy can repeat that. But looking at the other receivers they have, he's their best option by far. He might have to repeat that. He last year outscored some team quarterbacks, probably single-handedly won some players' matchups, which is really funny because... Oh, yeah. He was Droposaurus Rex everywhere else in his career until he went to Edmonton. They found a way to use him. Like you said, 112, 1456, and six touchdowns. He's, uh, yeah, he's my sure thing too, Trav. There's, there's no disagreeing there. He should be huge again. As long as he doesn't go back to being El Droppo like he was in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, I like to call him, uh, Butterfingers. Um, <laughs> we used to, we we used to, me and my cousin used to play a drinking game. Take a take a shot every time a Darius Bowman dropped a ball. Those were some Ooh. good. Tri- those are some good trips to Winnipeg. <laughs> I like that. Um, I'm avoiding JC Sherritt. He's got the big name in Edmonton. He's playing linebacker, but look at this: 2012, 130 tackles, massive year. 2013, 46 tackles. 2014. 32 tackles. He's a very small guy. I think he's starting to obviously break down. It's taking his toll when he's playing middle linebacker. The linebacker that I want in Edmonton is Dexter McCoyle. Yep, I, yep, couldn't agree more with that. Uh, and again, J.C. Sherritt is a name, so yep. he's going to stand out on your draft board. Uh, look at McCoy, look elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, Sherritt's the kind of guy that 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 guy that doesn't really know what the CFL is going to take, and he's going to be uh, not thrilled with him. Sleeper in Edmonton just changed for me this morning. I'm putting Shakir Bell there now that John White is yep. down, and White didn't. He didn't have a full season last year, so it's not like he's got the job guaranteed if he comes back healthy. Shakir Bell, if he takes the ball, runs with it, pun intended, he could keep this job all season long, I think. Yep, I wanted to add uh, my avoid for Edmonton is Corey Watson. He was in Winnipeg and then dealt to Saskatchewan. Now in Edmonton, I like him. He's a gritty kind of player every team wants. But again, my cousin, who's a Blue Bomber season ticket holder, and I used to play the, is Watson playing tonight game? If your answer was no, you usually won. He's hurt (laughs) all the time. And he's one of these guys that he's so... He wants to get back on the field so badly, he's like, injury report, you know, you start him in your fantasy league, the roster's lock, and then you see the tweet right before the game, uh, Corey Watson is out. Game time decision every yeah, single week. Uh, my sleeper, uh, Travis, can you name the second leading receiver in Edmonton? I think it's Nate year? Kuhorn. 
Bing, ding, 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 ding. You win. Man. Uh, a, lo- a lot of people aren't going to remember that name. Uh, with Fred Stamps gone, he's going to see the majority of the secondary targets. Uh, teams are going to try to key in on Bowman. He's Canadian, 52 catches for 483 last year. I think he'll be, he's going to jump into that upper echelon of Canadian receivers in the CFL this year. Uh, second or third round pick for me. When I went to training camp last week, the biggest thing I noticed is that Nate Kuhorn, he is in, and this is saying something, he's in raw bag shape. Really? He is ripped. Man, his legs and his arms, he looks like he is going to be a beast this year. Uh, huh, I like it. And I yeah. didn't even know that when I picked him as a sleeper. Man, what a... I'm like, oh, this guy could be a wrestler. <laughs> he looks like he's going to be a monster. Mike Riley was a. It was funny because he was throwing lasers. There's a big yep. difference between him and Nichols and uh, Justin Goltz, who was there. Riley was throwing lasers, and a lot of those receivers are like, whoa, man. You know, slow you know it what? down. Just, was Justin Goltz there, or was he trying to start another Snickers commercial? Goltz was there. He. Uh, I, I, I like I like Goltz a lot. He was, he went through the quarterback yeah. carousel that was my Blue Bombers. But I mean, you got to rib a guy. I mean, just like I'm sure in the CIS where that uh, that kid that played in Big Brother, that Zach guy who now will be going back to the Regina Rams. If if I'm a if I'm a player on the other side of that D line, I'm going. Hey, I got the power of veto. I'm coming for you. <laughs> hey, guess uh, who's up on the block? You are. I love that. So I guess this wraps up our West Division preview. Uh, Next week, we're going to have to announce pretty close to the final entrance into the 2 and Out CFL Podcast Fantasy League. So again, iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, do something really creative like True Blue did, and (laughs) we will get you into the league. I guess right now we've got four spots left. We got four spots left. If there's lots of demand, if there's lots of entries, Travis and I will split a team. Uh, So four to five spots left. Um, Yeah, review us on iTunes. Share us with your friends. It's a passion project for us. We just want to get the word out there again. Thank you to everybody who's an early adopter. Thank you for the kind reviews on Twitter uh, and on iTunes. Uh, thanks for the likes. Thanks for the tweets already. I noticed while we were recording this, uh, getting some love from 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 guys. Uh, you got a retweet from uh, from Odell Willis about your yeah. appearance at uh, <laughs> at camp. Darius Bowman giving us some love. Uh, thanks to the CFL guys who listen to us. Uh, just lots of thanks. This is this is a passion project for Travis and I. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun doing it for you, and and we like hearing the negative or both both sides of the feedback. I mean, if you think we really suck, oh, uh, you know maybe okay. Here's the extra incentive. I've decided. I've decided, Travis, for our fantasy league. Okay. What the prize is going to be. I've decided okay. we need a prize. It's going to be free to enter. There's going to be no money. However, no, no jelly beans. No, no jelly beans. However, you and I don't think you can find. There's not many guys that are more proud to be Canadian than the two of us. And that's not a slight to anybody else, but we love poutine. We love the hip. We love Timmy's. So the, the Canadian prize, the winner of our league, is going to get a dozen donuts from Tim Hortons and a take 10. Uh, we'll ship it out to you. We'll, we'll find some way for you to get it. At least three of the donuts have to be maple glazed because we're Canadian. Uh, may, don't, no apple fritters because nobody wants any of those. Uh, but that's going to be the prize. Fantasy League, Tim's Take 10, and a dozen Timmy's Donuts. Uh, you can take it to your office, you can eat it all yourself. I don't give a damn, but that's the win. That's what you're going to get. Make sure to enter. 
So we are out. We'll be back next week talking this week's preseason games. The last one's happening on uh, Saturday in Fort McMurray, actually. And then uh, cut down day. Team's cutting down to 65 players on Sunday. So we're going to talk about that leading up to next Wednesday. John Fraser and Travis Kerr of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Talk to you soon.